Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Today's message is Habit of Eating. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. You know, the, we've, we've talked about before, you know, whenever you have a huge event that happens, it, you know, you can't just ignore it. I don't think you should ever just ignore it. Um, and so we have uh, had some sermons and things like that in directly addressing some of the uh, shootings that there's been in the past. And, and of course, uh, this is another heartbreaking one uh, on, on Wednesday and, and one that, you know, no one can really wrap their minds around. Um, I want to just hit on it briefly, and I, I do think it kind of leads into what we were going to talk about a little bit anyway today. Um, but, but one of the things that, that I'm, I'm seeing is the reactions to these now are becoming more and more unhealthy um, from kind of everyone involved. Um, and, and some of that is just because of the way our media is today, and especially with social media. Um, a lot of people say things with, in the midst of an emotional time. And that's just, as a general rule, that's not the best time to, to try to fix things is whenever at the height of your emotions going crazy. Um, and I just, as Christians, you know, I mean, our, our thing, obviously we don't want uh, horrible events like this to happen, but we also need to, to be thinking about how does our reaction point people to Christ, right? And we, we want to make sure that we're doing that in a, in a positive way. And, uh, and I think a lot of the reaction on both kind of sides of the aisle, and it's, it's not completely just one side or the other, but, but a lot of times there's kind of two distinct reactions, and both of them seem to be less and less healthy. And, and I just want to encourage us to, to be careful with that. Um, you know, a couple of things that I've seen that you know, I have to be real careful because I, I don't, I don't want to get on any soapboxes or anything like that. But um, whenever you do legitimately have thoughts and prayers for a situation, that, that does matter, right? That, that's not just doing nothing. Like, most Christians, I mean, we should believe that, you know, our thoughts and prayers aren't going to prevent things like that from happening. I don't think anyone is saying that. But in the midst of that, we believe that God can provide strength and support and encouragement. And that's what we're praying about. That doesn't mean that we just think, oh, that's enough. We shouldn't do anything. Right? And, uh, and, and that, that's kind of been frustrating. Uh, and that's coming kind of from one side. Right? And, and the other side, I've seen this posted quite a bit. And, and as Christians, I think we nearly... We need to be real careful what we're posting on and re, <laughs> reposting uh, on things because little taglines and catchphrases can be really, really detrimental. And one that I've, I've seen, and, and I, I agree with the basic premise, um, but it, it's come out a lot after this. It's said something to the effect that, you know, well, you've taken God out of schools, you've taken God out of families, you've taken God out of this. Well, what do you expect? Okay. I understand the general idea there. The more that we take God out of culture and the more that we move away from him, the, you know, it, it leads to, uh, to ungodly things. However, attaching that to this one incident is very dangerous because I want you to think about 
from the perspective of someone who doesn't believe in God or is kind of hostile towards God. Basically what you're trying to say in a short post is that if we would have kept God in school and in family and we would have been focused on God the way that we, we should have been, that wouldn't have happened. Well, guess what? Bad things have always happened to, to cultures no matter how close they are to God, right? So to say that that would have prevented this is actually is very false. The even more dangerous thing about that is that you're basically saying, you know, God is kind of, kind of a jerk, you know, that you kind of decided to fall away from him, so he decided to allow 17 innocent uh, lives to be taken. That is not true by any means, and that's not what anyone is meaning by posting something like that. But I want us to, we need to realize, man, we've got to be careful in how we engage this discussion, right? And, and it, it, it is very frustrating, and... <laughs> The unpopular thing about it is that there are no easy answers. And social media is full of, quote, supposed easy answers. And there are none. And, and that makes us uncomfortable, and we don't like that. And if you're a politician and try to say that, you get blasted, right? And, uh, which politicians pretty much deserve to get blasted a lot of times. But, but, you know, no one likes to hear that, okay? And, and so I think... As Christians, as we think about how do we deal with this, well, we can't fix it in the midst of such a tragedy. This ha- we have to start basically re-spreading the gospel <laughs> one person at a time and have to start spreading a gospel that is, that is true and correct and points to people to a God who is present in the midst of circumstances like this. You know, we can't give this false gospel that sells a lot, that basically says, hey, the closer you are to God, then the better your life is going to be. That's not always the case, right? You know, the health and wealth things and, and things like that, that is not true. And we need to be really careful with that. You know, and, and uh, what, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks, and we're going to continue to talking about now, is how do we kind of develop habits in our life that hopefully give us the opportunity to share our faith and to be evangelistic. And I just want to take you back a few weeks. Remember kind of some of the stuff that we've been talking about. We've been talking about, um, you know, having a, a change in perspective of what being an evangelist means. You know, being an evangelist is not just standing on the street corner anymore and, and shouting out, hey, God loves you. Um, you're going to hell without him, right? I, I saw that guy in Vegas, right? Not many people were listening to him, I promise you. Uh, there was a guy, he literally, he had a, a belt that had kind of a little speaker, and, uh, and he, he was uh, talking, and he, he was giving the gospel message. There wasn't technically anything wrong with what he was saying. Um, now, it was uncomfortable that there was a guy wearing a... a <laughs> a plywood thing, you know, that covered the front and back. He did have clothes on, so that was good. But, uh, but front and back with a sign that said, uh, you're, without God, you're going to hell today or something, you know, something very in your face uh, kind of, you know. And, and I just looked at that. I'm like, man, is that really making any kind of a difference? And my argument would be probably not. Um, but 
But, so, but, I, but at the same time, we need to be evangelists, right? We need to be sharing our faith. So is, is there a better way? And, of course, I think the answer is yes. And remember, we talked about kind of the two types of evangelists. There's those like Paul was, that he's going out sharing a brand-new message. And so he, he did. He shared it, shared it out. Most people aren't comfortable doing that. You're not built to do that. And so remember, Paul also talks about, um, you know, not only praying for him, but then living questionable lives so that you can have conversations with people that you can talk to them about Christ. Most of us are a lot better able to have a one-on-one conversation with someone we have a basic relationship with than we are just kind of talking, you know, just spouting out, uh, you know, do you love Jesus? Right? And so that's, that's where we're focused on. How do we live those questionable lives? And we've looked a lot at Acts chapter 2, 42, uh, which is what the church was doing immediately after Jesus uh, was crucified, rose again, and, and after he went back into, into heaven. And so here's the church starts, and the church gets together in Acts two, chapter 2, 42. It talks about how they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship together, to the breaking of bread, uh, and to prayer. And so we're kind of looking at some different habits that can help us uh, be better able to, one, live questionable lives, but then be able to answer those questions and hopefully get into some real conversations with people. So the first habit that we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the habit of learning more about Jesus each week. And and one of the things that we're trying to do to help that is with our podcast. Every Wednesday, we have a Simple Life with Jesus series that that we do that's usually 15 minutes long or so. Just to, to, again, to think about the fact that, hey, we need to be living as Jesus called us to live. And, uh, And that we shouldn't be just thinking about our faith on one day, on Sunday, but that hopefully it applies to every day. And so however you want to do that, you can, you can, there's so many different ways to do it. But are you spending time learning about Jesus, learning about how he has interacted with the world? I think that's at the heart of how we're going to start living questionable lives is we need to start learning more and more about who Jesus is. The second habit that we're going to talk about today is going to make a lot of you happy. Because the habit boils down, if you want to eat a one-word uh, summary, is eat. Right? Now, does anyone have a problem eating? No. You know, some have a problem eating, said, no, I can't, can't do it. Well, you know, the, we're not talking about a non-GMO, uh, you know, diet. We're not talking about changing your diet. What we're talking about is just spending time eating with other people. Now, you may say, well, what does that have to do with being an evangelist? Maybe nothing. But I think actually it has a whole lot to do because eating is more than just physical nourishment. There's actually something tangible that can happen when you eat with someone, right? Now, you know, and our, our culture is, is crazy. We're fast-paced. We're, we're moving. Most people barely have time to slow down to eat, right? That's why the fast food industry exists is so you can go through and you can and eat on your way home. Right? But when we actually take time to eat with someone, that says a whole lot. And this isn't a novel idea, and this isn't a new idea. In fact, it traces all the way back to Jesus. 
Uh, we're going to be looking here in just a minute. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verse 33 and 34. It's on page 721 uh, in the chair Bible. And, uh, but I, I want to kind of set this up. Um, in the Gospels, the phrase, uh, uh, Jesus uses the phrase many, or to refer to himself as the Son of Man. And he says, the Son of Man came to do this, 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 right? And so kind of giving an idea of why he came. I, I think those are pretty important verses. They kind of share a little bit about what Jesus felt his mission was, right? And so there's, there were three different phrases and times that Jesus used this. The first one was in Mark chapter 10. It says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Really powerful statement, right? That here the, the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, came not to be served as kings of that day wanted to be, right? They wanted to be served, but he came to actually serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Pretty strong statement. The next time Jesus used this is in Luke chapter 19. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, Right? To seek and to save the lost. And the, both of those first two, they kind of talk about what the overall mission that Jesus wanted to do. And he, he came to, to give us hope for a new life. He came to give us, show us how to live. All of that's kind of wrapped in there. Well, this is the third time that Jesus uses that phrase, the Son of Man came. And so in, in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 33, says, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he is a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. All right. So what is this saying? This is actually pretty interesting. Um, Jesus right now, he's at the beginning of his ministry. Uh, John, uh, John the Baptist, has been proclaiming that, hey, the uh, Son of Man is coming. And so John has sent some of his followers down to find out, is Jesus, is this really the guy? And they come back and they say, yes, he is. Well, now the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they didn't like John. Right? And so now they're kind of t tuned into Jesus, and they don't like Jesus a whole lot. So they're trying to figure out you know, how to, to get at him, how to uh, kind of put him down, things like that. And so Jesus is talking to them. And he says, okay, here you have John, who you don't like, and he didn't eat bread, he didn't drink, drink wine, you know, he was very minimalist, and you called him a demon. Right? He said, how can you do that? Why, why don't you do things like the other people do? And then Jesus says, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, came eating and drinking, and you call him a glutton and a drunkard. Right? So they, they're, they're kind of having it both ways. So Jesus is contrasting here. But it, that, that's an interesting statement, that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, we could get into a lot of discussions about this. I don't know, how many of you have a Baptist background? There's a, there's a few. It's okay. It's all right. I, I have a Baptist, yeah, I have a Baptist background. I, I say Baptist because they're, they're the, the most stereotypical with this. But whenever it comes to, to issues of drinking, right, it's, it's you don't do it. There's no, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You never do it. Uh, there's never any reason to do it. 
I, I was a pastor at a Baptist church. I also was a youth pastor at a Presbyterian church. And it was kind of like, bring it on. You know, it's, it's all good, right? And, uh, and, and both pushed to the extremes, both of those are, are not accurate, right? And they're not biblical. But as a Baptist, we, we don't, this is an uncomfortable passage. When Jesus himself says, I came eating and drinking, and I'm, it's not talking about drinking water. They didn't have Coke, right? It was pretty much either water or wine, <laughs> right? And so, and the reason that it could even be accused, Jesus could be accused of being a drunkard, right? The only way that you can accuse someone of being a drunkard is that if at least he's in places where people are getting drunk, right? So now, I don't believe Jesus got drunk. I do believe that he drank, right? There is a distinction there, okay? But Jesus, when he says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking, what he's talking about is the way that he's going to bring that message is that he's going to go and be with people where they are. That's what he's meaning there. It's very simple, and it's amazing how uncomfortable we get with this, with, our, with the way that we've kind of organized our religion, right? Jesus spent time with people who the religious leaders had already cast off and said, you know what, they're, they're out of the loop. They're out of the kingdom. That we shouldn't have anything to do with them. And Jesus was spending all his time there. And so the religious leaders had no idea what to do with that. It didn't make sense to them. Man, I think that does apply to us today in the way that we go about trying to share the good news of Christ, right? The way, where better to try to share the good news of Christ than places where the bad news abounds, right? Whenever I, I look around Las Vegas and you see just how things are misused and, and pushed to, to places of, of where they become very evil. And you're like, man, this is a place that needs the good news. Right? And so I actually understand why that guy is sitting there trying to scream the good news. Right? I do understand that. The problem is that I don't think it's necessarily effective. But the effective, the way to be effective is something that sometimes is not real measurable and it works really slowly because I think it, it happens from one person to the next, then from that person to another person, and it kind of moves slowly. But it can transform a culture. Right? We saw it happen before. Jesus came eating and drinking, and he started a, 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 a new way of relating to God. And the disciples, after Jesus left, they, they grabbed onto that. And they spent a whole lot of time eating and drinking with the culture around them. And they transformed the Roman culture. And you can say all you want to about how uh, corrupt our culture is, and there is. Rome was right there. Yeah, you know, possibly more whenever you start taking the, the cultural things that we accept uh, as, as norm versus them. I mean, it was, it was fine to just randomly burn people at the stake and throw people to lions for entertainment, right? You know, I, I, 
I know that we still have a lot of problems, but at least most of us are uncomfortable watching someone get eaten by a lion. Right? That, that's, that's a good step in the evolutionary direction. Right? And so that's the culture that Jesus is in, that the, the early church is in. Right? And so one of the ways that they went about changing that culture was that they started getting to know people. They started sharing the good news. Because then all of a sudden, whenever you're eating with people, you're, you're basically saying, hey, we're, we're the same. Right? Whenever I'm gambling by Jessica Beal, I feel like there's actually a connection. Right? Right? And in a way, there is. Right? You realize, oh, you know what? We are kind of the same. You know? And, and eating does that. And especially in that culture, but even in ours today, but in that culture, you only ate with people who were on your social level. Right? You didn't eat with someone who was lower than you. And this was at every different, different level. Right? So the only people that you would ever break bread with were, the, were your equals. Or if you were lucky enough to eat with someone higher than you, you would do that. But you would never eat with someone lower than you. Right? And here's Jesus going and eating with people who the religious leaders considered way down here. And so can you imagine being a person, uh, whether you're a tax collector or uh, you're a prostitute or you just have been deemed unclean for numerous reasons, and here this guy who preaches with authority, who has d- performed miracles, and he says, hey, let's go, let's go have a bite to eat. That's a huge statement. Huge, because all of a sudden Jesus is saying, you know what? We're, we're, we're alike. We have something in common. And you know, whenever you eat with someone, even today, you may not think about it, but, the, but it's there. You know, I don't know, when's, when's the last time that someone asked you out to eat that you're like, man, I can't believe they asked me out. You know, I, I can remember times in, in other jobs and things like that whenever a, someone that was a, a boss or a boss of my boss asked me out to eat, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what? Can, can I do that? Is it okay? You know, and, and like, I hope there's not more than one fork. I don't know which one to use, you know? But isn't it interesting that I think we can even experience some of that. It's like, oh, am I worthy to eat with that person? And, of course, the answer is yes, right, because we're all human, But Jesus was very intentional about going out and saying, hey, I want to eat with you. I think think we can take that as a way that we can get to know people as well. Now, we have to be careful. Uh, I want to read just really quickly in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 17 through 22. The Corinthian church uh, basically does a great job of telling us how not to do things. And, uh, and Paul was, was very rough on the Corinthian church. Uh, so starting in verse 17, says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together... Uh, It is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. 
Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. So basically what was happening is the church had started eating, had started celebrating with people, but because of our humanness, and this is a natural uh, sinfulness within all of us, it's, it's there within all of us, whether we act on it or not is, is, is the question, is basically they started going and associating with the people that they were comfortable with. Right? And, uh, and it's, I don't think this was just a rich, poor issue. Uh, I think there was more to it than that. But basically, we all kind of are naturally uh, go and are comfortable with certain groups of people, right? And that's okay to a certain degree. However, whenever you start intentionally excluding those who you're not comfortable with, then you're going down a wrong path. And that's what, what Paul was saying here. He's saying, hey, it's great that you're having these meals, but you're falling back into the ways of the world where the people who aren't on your social level, whether it's based on economics or race or whatever it may be, you're kind of pushing them off to the side. And you can't do that because that's not the gospel message, right? Just by the way that you're going about eating, you're not sharing the gospel message. And so we need to be careful with that. Whenever we're going to be talking about it, I'm going to be encouraging you to go and eat with people. And I want you to go and eat with whoever God lays on your heart, right? And, and what the kind of the practical aspect of this, what we're going to encourage is each month, I want you to try to dedicate yourself to have two, two separate meals. Now that you may think, well, that doesn't sound, sound a whole lot. And I, well, good for you. You're a super Christian. You can go and eat with a lot of people, right? Some of you hear two meals, and you're going, my gosh, how am I going to find time for two meals? We recognize that. Our culture is crazy, right? Well, Molly, she just had to leave because my oldest daughter is doing a cheer contest in San Antonio. And you're, just, we're just, you're always moving, right? So we understand that. We don't want this to be a burden. But we need to be evangelistic in the way that we live our lives. And so what our goal we, uh, I would like for us to make is that each month that we go out to eat or have someone come over to your house, which is the best way, but not always practical because I don't want to clean my house sometimes for people, <laughs> but, but it is to go and eat with someone that's connected with Journey, right? Just, just someone. It could be after church. And I, a lot of this is happening already, by the way. So it was, it's very good. So, but eat with someone connected with journey. Get to know someone, someone that you haven't uh, gotten to know before. Maybe say, hey, let's go to Schlotzky's. Let's do that. Just simple stuff, right? But so find someone that's connected with journey. The second one is to find someone who is not connected with journey and preferably not connected with a church as, as far as you know. Now, it doesn't. We're not, we don't have hard and fast rules on this. You, you don't interview someone in uh, church. Well, how many times did you go? Oh, I, that counts as being a member of that church. No, we're not eating together. No, don't, don't do that. Right? So, but but as, you're, as you're just thinking about it and as you start praying about it, say, hey, maybe God will put into my life someone that I can go and, and eat with. Right? 
and, and doing it in a way that you, all you're trying to do is just develop a relationship. But you never know where that can go. And always be prepared if someone asks you why, say, well, you know what? I'm trying to be more intentional to meet people. It's something that our church has encouraged us to do. That pastor's crazy, but I'm going to try to do it. Right? Just, and then who knows where that conversation goes? You know, we're not saying to go do this so that you can uh, witness and evangelize to that person. No, we're just saying go and get to know them. And then maybe that leads to more things, right? Maybe it leads to being able to have a conversation in light of a school shooting. And you can talk about how, you know what, I, I believe that God's, God is weeping with us and that his heart is broken too. And I believe that God is going to sustain us through this. You know, that you can talk about your faith, right? But too often, we don't think of practical ways that we can try to share our faith. And, I, and, and this is a way to do this. Now, on Thursday night, we talked about this a little bit. And it was funny because someone uh, said that they're about to go on a cruise. And, uh, and said, we're going to eat with somebody different every night. Said, we're going to be good for the rest of the year. <laughs> no. So the one hard and fast rule we're having is that at the end of the month, it starts over. You're back at zero. <laughs> right? So, so you can't cram it all into one week. And, uh, no. no, but uh, again, I don't want this. We're not wanting this to become a, uh, a, a rule or anything like that. It's just some habits that maybe we can get into that will give us the opportunity to allow God to work through us. You know, and, and I think when you do this, and, and again, this, this is combined with spending time learning about Christ uh, becoming more like Christ, uh, and, then, and then we actually go out and kind of practice that in a way, I think you'll be amazed at what God does. You know, just allow him to work. And you know, and I think that's how we change our culture. You know, we can't, as much as we want to change our culture by how we respond on Facebook and Twitter in light of tragedy, it's, it's not. It just, gets, it just gets muddled into this, you know, ugly, uh, ugliness that comes on, on social media, even if what you're saying is true. But the way that we really change lives, the way that Jesus changed lives, is he went up and he sat next to the prostitute and he ate with her. Man. Maybe we can just go and sit next to our neighbors and we can eat with them. And all of a sudden we find out you know what? Your life is really rough, just like my life is really rough. Here's how I handle it. I rely on God. Who knows how God can work through you? God created you to be an evangelist. Allow him to do that. Allow him to work through you to share the good news in the world around us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to live our lives for you. And I pray, Lord, that you will encourage us to do that, that we will be intentional in reaching out to the world around us. Lord, give us the wisdom to know how to do that. But Lord, I thank you that you are a God who came eating and drinking because you met us where we are. And you said, I love you no matter what. 
no matter your actions, no matter your place in society. You invited us into a relationship with you. Help us to invite others to enter into a relationship with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.